0: Hello and welcome to the full 42. I'm your host, Chris Amador. This series is dedicated to the people I've met along my journey and their stories. This conversation is with Elaine Party. After a 20 year career as a nurse, Elaine decided that she needed a change. So she moved from Rochester, New York to Rochester, Minnesota. Elaine has combined her social skills, public relations skills, and her love for animals to create Animals Connect Everyone. Find out how Elaine is changing the lives of animals and their owners alike. And so it begins. Hello, hello, hello. Finally, finally get a chance to meet you and talk to you about one of my favorite subjects, animals.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for the invitation to be here today. I'm looking forward to the discussion myself.
0: Nice. So what's, a like you're you're in Rochester, Minnesota, correct?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I've lived in Rochester, Minnesota for about 20 plus years. 20 um, plus years mm-hmm. and originally was from rochester new york so i never get confused on the city i live in but i um yeah enjoy it here <laughs> and have had a good experience here so.
0: um my i have uh i have a half siblings that live in rochester one lives in penfield the other one used to live in garfield
1: okay yeah yeah yeah
0: do you, do you, uh, very, familiar. Mm-hmm. very familiar yeah because yeah, uh, um kodak used to be the biggest um uh, employer there at one point now that they moved and they moved on
1: yes and um, my family all worked for Kodak my uncles my aunts um, so very familiar with Kodak oh uh, really mm-hmm.
0: did you graduate from college from there or
1: um, I graduated from um, a community college that's located in Rochester uh, with a nursing degree and so okay. I have a background as a nurse
0: nursing nice uh, what what specialty in nursing?
1: So I used to work with um medical surgical patients and then moved up into working with um patients that had liver and kidney transplants. Um so I did that for several years um and then transitioned uh to a new career after um kind of needing to change my hours and my commitment to my work. So
0: So that's what spawned the change was the fact that you needed to um allocate your time to another another industry Yeah, really so
1: I actually okay. um, had young kids and a lot of activity in my life at that point. So I really wanted to um, be here for them. Uh, My husband was traveling a lot. So I took kind of a little hiatus from like doing anything that was um, paid. I did a lot of volunteer work. Uh, And so Mm -hmm. as I was volunteering, I had a woman come up to me and say, I own a PR firm, and I really want you to come and work for me. So that was kind of the transition of working on something completely different. And um, I super enjoyed that. Um, Didn't have the training or the background for it, but um, definitely um, found my value in that space. So, what was that
0: like? What was it? What was the journey like to go from having being a nurse to being in the PR field? Because it does sound like two different fields.
1: Yeah. So I look at it as kind of like in the hospital setting, you know, you kind of assessed patients, you knew what they needed. Um, you helped communicate with that, and you worked as a team to create the best health outcomes for patients. And so with um, working in PR, I felt was kind of like, okay, this is like my client doing the best I can for my client, assessing the needs, knowing what they need, figuring it out together, and then um, implementing projects. So I really expanded my role. Um, we talked about, you know, coming from Rochester, New York and Kodak, I had a big background in the um, photography um, world. And so I used a lot of photography and video um, production in my PR world uh, when I got there. So super interesting just to have that as an experience.
0: Well, I mean, talk about synchronicity.
1: Yeah, 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 it was.
0: I mean, that's, uh, yeah, because to to have grown up in a a, a Kodak family, more or less, it's a Mm -hmm. Kodak family to then have this and then have it benefit you in the future. That's pretty synchronistic.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was great. It, um, I really enjoyed the opportunity. It's something that um, had I known more about um, earlier on, I might've thought of, but I loved my nursing career. So I mean, I had such a great experience through that. I learned so many different roles. I went into leadership roles. So I really had an excellent um, opportunity there and I still keep my nursing license active today. So should I nice. ever wanna go back into that field or, um, you know, want to venture into some part of that, I can do that still.
0: Yeah. Uh, what, what's the temptation if you ever were to? What's What would tempt you to go back into that?
1: Um, right now, probably the demand for nurses because it's so needed. And I have backgrounds in a lot of different variations of nursing. Um, so I could definitely help out um, my hesitancy would be that, um, there's a lot that's gone on since I left.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: um, so I would need to find that sweet spot to like provide, um, what I needed for, you know, the patients at the comfort level that I would be at. So yeah, when I was going into nursing, there was a great crisis for nurses. And so that really, um, led me to a lot of areas, um, of advancement that I wouldn't have had um, had there been a saturated environment in the nursing world um, so mm-hmm. now again it's kind of in that same boat where there's a lot of demand for nurses and not enough people to fill those spots
0: I, I remember the the nursing crisis because it you, you would just see that inundated all the time on TV mm-hmm. one role like because at one point it was they were trying the push was to get men into nursing because there was it was just like, okay, we just need to fill this void. So let's kill the stereotype of only women going to nursing. And then there was this big campaign push. It's like, yeah, men can go and do it too. Right. So yeah. Do you remember that transition? Do you remember what, what that was like to have more men in, in that?
1: Right. So um, as I went through my nursing program, I can think of one guy that was in uh, my nursing program You know that I mm-hmm. was connected with. So I'm not really sure how many other people there were. Um, that were guys, but it was definitely a very um, low number. Um, and now you see, um, you know, I have several friends and um, family members that have started to go into the nursing field. My nephew is going into the nursing field. Um, I And so it's a great opportunity because there is a lot of flexibility um, with your scheduling. You can work different shifts. Um, it's great for families that want to have somebody home with the kids because you can work variation of shifts. Um, and I, so I think that's a lot of benefit to families in, in the whole. And then mm-hmm. for guys, there's a demand for leadership positions to be diversified and, and, you know, all that, that comes with what's going on in our world now. So,
0: I almost went into nursing. Um, I was a medic in the army, and having to deal with 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 doctors was preventing me from continuing a, a, a field in nursing. Mm-hmm. So was would, would that be that was my that was my experience? What what was your? Because everything is black and white. Everything is just like you know. Everything is yin and yang. In the way I see it. Um, so what what was your dark side to the nursing? Um, you
1: know I. Don't really feel like I had a lot of dark side. I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked in Rochester, New York, for several years, and then my husband got transferred down to um, Scottsdale, and so I worked mm-hmm. there over a summer um, while he was there. And that was July that I went there, so that was the their like non-peak mm-hmm. time, and so the mm-hmm. demand for nurses was really low, and so I kind of had to jump in at a position. That I could find, and that was for a profit hospital, hmm. and so it was very different to work for a profit hospital than a nonprofit hospital. In my mind, huh. um, everybody's okay. experience is probably different, but you know, there was a lot about how are we, how are we managing our nursing staff to um, be, you know, cover our patient load. So it was a, a it felt. I don't know if this is true, but it felt a lot more like it was money controlled Mm. and there was a lot of how are we going to work this so that we have, you know, our staff is minimal, but yet Mm. successful. So that was just a very interesting, interesting experience because um, I hadn't experienced that before. And then I came up to Rochester, Minnesota and started to work at the Mayo Clinic and um that was like a fresh of breath air because at Mayo, the patients always come first and their needs and um, caring for them is really the priority of everybody on the team. It's um, a very holistic approach to care. So it was a great experience.
0: Well, one last question about nursing and then we'll move on. Yeah. Um, do you feel that if people just took basic nursing courses, not not just for themselves, but like to figure out like, oh, I feel – Like this looks like, this looks like that, or like an infection, what to look for an infection. But if people really were to take just basic nursing courses, would they be more empathetic human beings towards Um, people's plights and stuff?
1: You know, um, I'm not sure because I think, um, that's a great question and I'm trying to just think it out before I speak, but, Mm -hmm. um. Take your time. Yeah, I think um, knowing how to care for somebody, say, you know, you you learn CPR or something like that. um, And that would be a great example of something that somebody could learn that could really impact someone else um, that they might not know. And so I think when you when you have a chance to do something like that, it's the after effect that is so dramatic because (laughs) you really realize that you really did something. That, you know, had you not had that education, you wouldn't have known how to do. So I think it does make you more empathetic, but even more empathetic even afterwards. Um, Because like once you start to instill some of those skills that you've learned, like if you think about first aid or or like I said, CPR, any of those would be um, great examples of what um, a person could learn very um, low key and still make a huge impact on somebody's life because um, mm-hmm. there's probably nothing better than having those skills when you need them and exactly. nothing worse than not having those skills when you need them.
0: <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, my, my goal in life is to learn as many skills as I possibly can. I mm-hmm. mean, that's learning how to fly, sail, you know, I've already got the skill of, of nursing somewhat to some degree, but sure. you know, I've already got the skill, the skill to cook because it, you know, it can make you more marketable and. And better chance of, you know, getting anywhere in this world that you need to do. You know, like if you want to go, if you're a really good cook, you can, you can work anywhere in the world and right. especially nursing, you can go anywhere in the world, right. anywhere. Yeah. Because there's always a demand everywhere you go.
1: Right. Traveling nursing programs are a great opportunity for nurses to do short stints in, in places. Or if you really want to just go and immerse yourself, you could go anywhere. So, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so what made the move happen from Rochester, New York to Rochester, Minnesota?
1: Um, my husband's work, so we ended up here. Um, and we thought we were going to stay here for just a little bit. But um, uh, there's something about this place that you just um, – you have a great sense of pride living here. And so it really has always been our um, our plan to stay here, and we will continue to stay here. And we love uh, the work that we do, so that makes it even better.
0: So if I was going to – if I was – Gonna buy a home in Rochester, Minnesota. What would be the most attractive things about living there? About like, is it, is it community oriented? Is there a lot of parks? Or a lot of uh, waterways and stuff like that? Or sure. by the way, I'm taking I'm taking notes. So if you see <laughs> me look down and stuff, so I'm just ta- yeah, I'm taking no, notes. Yeah, no, great. Okay. Um,
1: so Rochester, Minnesota has um, a- several really unique things about it. One is a number one. The Mayo Clinic is here. Um, there's, um, we've had countless number of friends come here and get answers. Um, and that's really what it's about is making sure that you get the answer so that you can move forward with your life, whatever that means. And so that's a number one, there's excellent healthcare here. Um, -hmm. there's excellent, excellent school systems. The school systems here range from private to public. And they are just excellent sources for, um, for people to have their kids educated. And so um, that's a really another good part. There's biking systems. There's park systems. We're kind of uh, located in southeast Minnesota. So you can travel pretty easily to a lot of different areas, um, including Minneapolis and St. Paul. Um, so if you wanted to experience more of a big city... It's an hour away and you can get up there pretty easily. Um, It's a really easy ride up to the cities and there's a lot of different things up there too. So it gives you proximity to something like a larger city. And so when you want that, you can just um, do that. Housing wise, there's a variety of styles of houses and and, um, different uh, components to that, like um, more neighborhood settings. There's... um, Larger acres that are not far from town. We live outside of town. It takes us ten minutes to get into work, and we live on a large property of three acres. So um, there's lots of you know versatility here with housing and and what people want. And there's also apartments that are conveniently located downtown. So if you want to be in that atmosphere, you can definitely do that too. So
0: what I I was in um, Saint Paul, Minneapolis. Mm God, ten years ago, I think. No, two thousand six or two thousand five, I think. And what struck me and it was during the summertime. And what struck me the most was how all these walkways were connected to each building. Right. Yeah. yeah and, and it was it was almost like a, a like a mall setting where mm-hmm. people, if they, you know, because it, it got so cold there in right. in many Minnesota that people, if you couldn't walk on the sidewalk. Well, you have all these skywalks. Right. You can get yeah. to from one building to another. Does it get that cold and that snowy or?
1: Yeah, and and we do have um, tunnels that connect um, lots of different places downtown. Um, Coming from Rochester, New York, where it was cold, but it was very overcast when we moved here. We're like, wow, you got to wear sunglasses in the winter because it's sunny here. Um, So that's kind of a perk. Um, It does get cold. But, you know, Mm. I also lived in Arizona and it gets hot there. So it's like you... Kind of just transition. Like when you're in Arizona, you don't go outside when it's super hot. When you're in Minnesota and it's super cold, you don't go outside as much. Um, yeah. So that's what I would say about the weather um, here is that it's just, it's part of it. And um, we, you know, that the city tries to accommodate and, and make those tunnels and pathways so that people can um, get around, you know, easier that way. So
0: when i i was uh visiting a friend of mine in um tucson tucson mm-hmm. i believe in arizona i was i was surprised it was there in the summertime which was a huge mistake <laughs> i'll mm-hmm. never do that again um i was surprised by how everyone gets up super early to do work because by the time the sun reaches around 11 11 a.m it is incredibly hot and nobody can work outside
1: right yeah
0: yeah and like you said to you what to what you said it's like it there's a time to go in the time to to avoid all that stuff. So how did you stumble onto this project that you're doing now? What was something that you've, besides photography and everything else that you've, you've done in your life, like, was this a pet project? And then it became something more of uh, like, wow, that I can make some money on this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, what's interesting about um, the unfold of this is that um, I have a co-founder. So Jean Capels also works alongside me. And um, she lives here in Rochester. Um, And so we have worked on a lot of different things together. And so we're very comfortable with each other and we both have had dogs. So one of the Mm -hmm. things we did was we went through a pet therapy program. Um, We did it at different times, but we both had um, dogs that were brought into like hospice and um, college settings. So we had that experience, and then we had an experience where we were um, had a TV show that reached out to us, or a producer for a TV show that reached out to us and said, "You know, we're looking for someone to help us get sponsors for our TV show. Would you be interested?" And so that was in September of um, 2019, and okay. definitely I was like, "That that's cool. That would be fun to do." And so that got us engrossed in the pet industry and meeting people um, along the way. So 2020 comes along, we were just kind of starting to get some groundwork going, figuring out what it was going to be, how we were going to work it. And, um, you know, we had to stop because COVID, we weren't sure what was going to go on. And so we still kind of had that feeling inside of us that we wanted to really um, communicate to people about how uh, pets bring us help, and happiness and how important that is in people's lives. So we decided to kind of think that out a little bit. Like, what would that be? How would that look? And what would we want to do? So, So,
0: yeah. yeah, So how did you, um, sorry about the echo in the back. I don't know where that's coming from. Um, How did you meet Jean?
1: So Jean and I met probably, um, 19 or 20 years ago when we first moved here so she is from Syracuse New York and I'm from Rochester so we're both from New York didn't know each other before and had the opportunity to meet each other when our kids were at preschool together and so we had that kind of New York connection and um, just both of us kind of enjoyed being around each other and and you know we had kids so we were constantly doing things together and that's how we met. Um, here in Rochester, Minnesota. So,
0: um, what, what's the TV show called?
1: So the TV show never really actually got launched off because the timeline for kind of getting the idea going and producing it, it hadn't even started to produce yet. Um, so they hadn't defined a for sure name for it. Uh, it was supposed to be on the NBC slot and Saturday morning, um, but uh, just with everything that that was their target. Um, and so with everything that happened, it just never even got off the ground more than it's an idea. Mm. And we found the space. So to use um, the programming time slot. But other than that, it never really got um, to fruition.
0: So were, were you are you thinking about doing YouTube now that the that didn't. Uh, manifest? Are you thinking about uh, other medias or?
1: Yeah. So um, what we're doing now is just kind of testing what we think we can do with it. And Mm -hmm. what's really unique about us is that at this point, we are not a nonprofit and we are not a business. We are um, kind of the matchmakers between those two, um, trying to pull businesses and nonprofits together to really help people understand more about what's going on with pet and pet therapy and, um, just the human animal bond and how important that is for people. So it's a different, um, avenue right now. And we're kind of seeing where this could take us. And once we get to that decision, then we'll figure out whether it's a business or a nonprofit.
0: So when you say pet therapy, are you, are you referring to, um, People with PTSD, soldiers, uh, people with uh, um, other disabilities as well, as, uh, or just people yeah. just have a very difficult time with emotional connection with other human beings. Is, is that what you're referring to as well? Or
1: So it would encompass any of those. Uh, okay. We are very interested in the military and um, haven't done anything with them as of yet, although we have some connections that we've established because we think it is such an important communication that needs to go out so that people understand a little bit more about why military personnel might need um, a dog by their side, um, how families can be helped by having a dog in their family. Um, There's a lot of different things about the military that we wanna work on, but we wanted to kind of start ourselves off um, jumping in slowly so that when we get into a big story we are able to do that with um, uh, you know the proper way of communicating and, and really understanding how we can best support that group so so
0: I, there's the aspect of finding a pet for the proper owner my how can I say this um I just saw a video where a guy, a former dog trainer, in the, in the uh, I, I believe he was Navy SEAL dog trainer at one point. The guy was talking about how the dog, after seeing, after c- continuously being in combat over and over and over again, mm-hmm. developed quite an anger. And this dog is just not fit to be around many people. I would say ninety nine point nine percent of the population of this planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, because this dog was able to like this the trainer witnessed this dog ripping off the calf muscle of a, of a of a human being when you got a dog that powerful and is that's all they know is like that that's their brain that's what they're geared toward How do you end up set, taking that dog and finding it a home how like how does that how does that what your what your business how can that find how can that dog find a home
1: yeah so i on what we're doing now. Our platform really um, encourages people to discover different organizations that might deal with something like that. And so we would direct people to what we know at this point to help them with something like that. Um, We're not at the point where we're taking on actual situations like that. It's more just helping people understand how they might be able to improve their interaction with their dog um, where they need a little bit of mentoring. It's not anything real significant mentoring that needs to happen. So in that case, we would refer somebody to other organizations that might be able to help them um, with that process.
0: I've always wanted to meet people that have kept a daily log of their start to beginning uh business like i i would love to i would love to read jeff bezos's journals as he became you know of the of the banner that says amazon and stuff like that and in his office where now of course he's got like billions of offices everywhere have you kept a journal or like detailed study about what your business is and like what like to kind of look back on it and then to kind of refer to it every now and then so you don't make those mistakes like how did you how did this? What was the the genesis of the, uh, how long did it take from the genesis to the, to where you are now to make this business happen?
1: Right. So I do have a journal that I keep notes about, you know, kind of almost everything that goes on in my day, but that includes Mm -hmm. anything that has to do with animals connect everybody. Um, One situation that probably launched me forward was to have, um, I had my own dog. Lily, who was a therapy dog. And then I had my 95 year old dad who was in hospice and was dying last year. So bringing my dog to my dad's, he was staying with my brother. So we brought him to my brother's house and seeing that interaction between my dad and my dog as both the handler and the daughter. I, that was it. I was like, okay, this is the light bulb moment that People need to understand that there is positives in this, and maybe you own a pet and you can help somebody, or maybe you need a pet, um, or you need experience, or you need to see a pet or feel a pet. Um, so that's kind of where I would say my launching pad happened was because I was able to really see that in a 360 kind of witness. Um, right. So.
0: I mean, basically what, what you, what your business is, you're, you're basically the middle person. Mm-hmm. You're the one you like, you introduce, you introduce people, you you know, you know, this one to know that one to know that one is how people don't realize like how important that skill is. That is one of the, I, I yeah. believe one of the top five important skills to have. Yeah. How did it come so naturally to you?
1: It, you know, it's really interesting. Cause I just had a conversation with somebody recently about this. Yeah. So I am not intimidated I'm not really, as growing up, I was kind of shy, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. I didn't, I wasn't maybe as engaging with some situations as I would be now. But Mm -hmm. I feel like over time, I've realized that, you know, if I reach out, and somebody and what I'm saying really hits somebody in the right way, and they want to talk, that's great. And I'm not going to let their you know, their position or their company make me nervous because if I do, then I'm not doing what I'm set out to do in life. Right. And so I often, my friends and people that work with me will often say like, how did you do that? Or like, what's your magic around that? And I can't really say what it is, but I think it's just, I'm very honest. I'm very open. And I always communicate telling people as much as I can so that they know who I am and what I do and why I want to talk to them. And Mm -hmm. I have a great example of that um, because I think you always need to have your eyes open to look around and figure out who you need to be connecting with and why you need to be connecting with them. So I can share that story if you want me to.
0: Please, please.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So LinkedIn has been a huge um, help for us. You know we've connected mm-hmm. with a lot of different people. And one, one person I connected with was um, Kara Golden. She's mm-hmm. the CEO of Hint Water. And I connected with her because she posted a picture of her dog at her at a birthday party that they were having at her office. And I was like, mm-hmm. "How cool is that? You know I, I love that. So I reached out to her and I said, hey, I saw this picture. I would love to talk to you and just hear more about how you incorporate dogs into your workplace, pets into your workplace, anything you can tell me that would be impactful for me to share with other people. And she answered me back. And I have an interview with her and I have now posted a blog on our um, Animals Connect Everybody just from that simple interaction. So I think when you're authentic and you're coming with a good um, reason to talk to somebody. They'll figure that out, and then if it works for them, they'll answer you back.
0: I, I, I could not agree with you even more because I—that is how I met you. Mm-hmm. My interest in pets, my love for pets, and that's how I met uh, Billy Groom. She's going to be on the show as well um, because th- that's how I love to meet people. It's like I know we all have one thing in common. I know we do, and from that we can connect. As long as we have that one thing in common, you know, yeah. we'll find other things to kind of connect each other with. And so I, I agree. I mean, that's a that's a beautiful skill. Um, and obviously is making new friends. It's making you giving you a great life. Right. You know, to have to have that skill. Yeah. So two questions. Um, your dad, is he OK? Is he.
1: So my my dad passed away um, in December of last year. He was <sighs> 95 years old. Had just celebrated his birthday, so um, you know he had a good life, um, and I think um, so. My dog also passed away very unexpectedly (sighs) after meeting my dad. You know, for that time, I mean, he obviously my dog had met my dad before, but when um, when we went to visit, uh, probably five days prior to that, you know, we went to visit my dad and their interaction was super great. And, um, I will tell you the story of like, when I was a kid, my dad was like, no, we're not having a dog. You know, we, we actually had a cat for like a day, I think. And, and my mom was like, I can't deal with this. Um, and we knew it wasn't fair to the cat. So we were like, okay, we'll, we'll give the cat back to, um, the person who gave it to us. And so we, we never had pets in my house and, when I went to see my dad that day, you know, he was just singing to my dog. Like, I love you. I love you, Lily. Uh, you know, just, I'm like, okay, this is my dad. Like 40 years later, um, really is seeing the impact of what having a pet can be in your life. Yeah, So it's yeah. super sweet.
0: Yeah. They, they, they even changed my stepdad who was a, uh, Hard ass, just to, you know, just so we'll 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 get. We'll, I'll be nice and call him a hard ass. But yeah, they they uh they completely change the life from that. I mean, grief for me because I've I've lost quite a few people in my life. Grief for me has been the one thing that has just been a huge, huge punch in the gut. I can I can get past just about anything, broken bones, all that stuff. But grief has been a huge punch in the gut. How how did you deal with having two significant losses in your life in one year?
1: Yeah. So Lily's was, I almost feel like Lily's prepared me for my dad's in some way because Lily was nine years old. She's a golden retriever, so technically she probably still has you know in my mind more more time was not even thinking that there was anything going on with her. And mm. we were in the car driving back from a vacation and she kind of got wobbly in the back seat like, we were on a straight road and it was like, you could kind of see her like kind of like we were going down a hill, like swaying back and forth or something. And I was like, there's something wrong. And so we took her to the emergency vet and this of course was during COVID and you can't go in. It was about eight o'clock at night. And they said, um, they thought, okay, she probably has like an ear infection and that's partially why her balance is off and, I said to them, you know, is there anything else we should do? And they said, well, we could do some blood work just to make sure. And I was like, okay, that sounds good. Let's just get it done here. Why wait till tomorrow to do that? And so, you know, we brought her back home and she was still just in this weird walk and and just, you know, was like, she just didn't even want to go anywhere. And so we put her in the back hallway and I kept check in on her every once in a while and she had moved around a little so that made me feel good like I was like okay she's moving around she must be somewhat comfortable or feeling better from they did some fluids for her And, and then we woke up in the morning and I asked my husband to go downstairs and he came up and he's like she's dead and I was just like for a minute like you had that fleeting idea like okay this isn't real this is like okay wake up Elaine like you know You must be sleeping still. So that, and I had called my kids at like 10 o'clock at night and said, oh, you know, it's an ear infection. Everything looks good. And my one daughter was with me. The other two were out of town. And I had to call them back and tell them. Mm -hmm. And that was the most difficult moment of my entire life, I think, because we all loved her and she all helped us in different ways. And she was always there for us. So it was definitely, you know, and so sometimes I almost think that that prepared me in a way for my dad's passing away because it allowed me to see that I could get through it, even though it was really, really difficult. So,
0: yeah. And so I'm assuming that your your mom has passed as well.
1: Yeah, my mom had passed away in 2004. She had Mm -hmm. um, Alzheimer's and then had um, a major stroke. And had a very short time to live, um, so we flew back there, and I spent time with her until she passed away.
0: So. And what was that time like? Did she did she remember you at all, or?
1: No, she was completely, um, completely comatose, and not responsive. Um, but it was a good, good. Um, it was um, I don't know what word to use. It was. Um, a journey mm-hmm. having her passed away too, because I had to, when I, my brother was staying at the nursing home with my mom and I had to go and wake my dad up about two o'clock in the morning. Cause we kind of were calling back and forth and thought it was time that he came in to see her. Cause we're mm-hmm. pretty sure she was pretty close to the last amount of moments with us. So I had to go in and wake my dad up and then I had to, drive him to the um, nursing home and the moment that I knew that we were on a timeline was when there was a street light that we had to go on to that from our house that was always red you know mm-hmm. took forever you'd sit there for quite a while because it was a main street and this was just a small street mm-hmm. and so it changed like right away and I was like okay we really need <laughs> to get to the nursing home. And we did. We just got there just in time, probably about five minutes before she passed away. So, um, so it's kind of some of my journeys with um, people passing away and um, how I was went went through that. I guess I would say
0: it's it's very difficult for people to understand what that's like unless they've been through it themselves. Because I I at times like I know when my mom and stepdad got older, I would imagine them. Like what would my life be without them,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and and I thought that would actually ease the pain quite a bit if I just imagined life without them. But it's uh, no, <laughs> when it actually happens, it's vastly different from what your imagination can come up with. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like when the, when the and the loss so is, and obviously it took some time for your for your mother, you know, to, to grieve for for your mother. But for your father, it was you were closer to your mother than your father, or.
1: Um, you know, I think, uh, my mom and I were very close when we were growing up. And so, um, I have a lot of experiences and, and things that I witnessed about her that I bring into my life now. Mm -hmm. Um, and my dad was just, he actually moved from Rochester, New York to Rochester, Minnesota to be near me and my brother and our kids. So, um, so I had an opportunity to be with him kind of one-on-one a little bit more mm-hmm. later on in life so I think they were they were both I was close with both of them just at different points in their lives in my life so
0: yeah I, it's it's something that just it, it never lets you go mm-hmm. it never lets you go it stays with you every day and kind of you think about it every now and then but it never really lets you go right and, um, right you you've got to learn to make peace with it and has has their deaths has the deaths of your pets in the past help you, like you, like like Lily did with helping you with your father. Like, what lessons in life have they taught you? Like, what, what, like, what stuck with you with every pet you've ever had? Like, what was was it compassion? Was it empathy? What, like, what was a constant lesson you're always getting from pets?
1: Yeah. So lately, I feel like I've learned a lot about pets um, that I didn't know before. Um, but prior to understanding some more stuff that. I've been researching and understanding and talking with people about. I would say that um, for me, you know, Lily allowed me to see what an impact a pet could have on other people and just bringing that pet into an environment. Like when we would go to a college campus, I mean, every kid would be coming up and telling a story about their, you know, either a pet they owned or a pet that they interacted with. So Mm -hmm. to me, that was just a really uh, interesting experience because I realized, like, how deeply people care about their pets. And, like, when I lost Lily, I hadn't really lost. It had been a long time. Like, we used to have little guinea pigs and hamsters and stuff like that when I was little. But that was kind of more my brother's thing than mine. Um, So... Seeing people grieve now how a loss of a dog can impact them, I think, is really been something that I didn't understand before. And so now when I see somebody that has had a dog pass away, I try to be, you know, instead of just like if you're on Facebook, instead of just like push the little care button, like say something to them. Um, again, I've said things to people that I don't really know who they are. And they appreciate it. So I think it's a little bit about taking the time to recognize everybody in the space that they're at and knowing that it's hard for everybody when you lose a pet or a parent or somebody you care about. So,
0: you know, that's so well said, because I I know when this guy I used to work with, he, he lost his brother and the at the funeral, people were saying that he that that they were closer to him. The, his brother than his brother was to them. It's like, well, how do you know? I just think that grieving is something that, unless you have truly experienced it, it's it's hard what to say to somebody. Right. It's it's really difficult. And and for you and I, like, I just, well, I lost my dog a couple of years ago, uh, Oso. It was a mm-hmm. half Dane, half German Shepherd. I have not been able to, I'm great. I'm a great babysitter, you know, dog sitter. I'm a great uh, dog walker. I'm a great dog, like, to actually have a pet again, to actually have another Oso again, uh-uh. I I, I can't not yet. Right. Not not for a while.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: You know? And so what do you say to those people that when they say I want a pet, but I'm not sure. Do you just like give them time? Do you just like, what do you, what do you say to people? Like,
1: so, I mean, I would say give yourself time um, and maybe think about other ways you can incorporate a pet into your life without actually having it. You know, there's, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of humane societies need people to come in and just help with walking a dog. Um, And that might get you back to feeling a little bit like, you know, you want to do that again because you Mm -hmm. have a different memory when you go and work in a place like that. You'll have different memories that will start to develop because all of your memories revolve around your own dog. Yeah. And so when you start to put some other emphasis in how you can be around pets or what you could do to help a pet organization, then that will give you some different memories and that might build you onto that bridge of where you want to cross over and say, I want to do this again, or maybe you won't even want to do it again and you'll just continue to help or do something with other organizations that have pets. You know, and I think um, people that don't have pets don't appreciate how much a pet becomes part of a family. Um, And I think that's even grown more because we're doing more things for our pets. Um, And they're also, you know, I mean, you look at COVID, there's so many people that got pets and, and adopted pets. Um, So I think um, sometimes it can be a very significant relationship, depending on how that pet has impacted your life. And how you're moving forward once they've passed away. I think anything you're feeling is completely right. And there's no reason you should judge yourself for feeling more, more connected to someone or something than another, because that's Mm -hmm. just where you are in your life. And that's where your journey is taking you and you can't, you can't really, um, judge yourself or you shouldn't judge yourself about what you feel because it is just what you feel at the time and it may change and it may not and that's okay that's you mm. so
0: in your opinion do you think that the reason why a lot of people don't want pets is well i mean because they just they can't they can't connect with an, you know with anything they can't connect with other people they can't connect with other pets but some some people i've met i feel like the reason why they don't want to own pets is because they don't want to change in order to own a pet, you've got to change, mm-hmm. you know, and and I feel like there's a lot of people don't like changes. Is, is that, do you, do you agree or do you?
1: I, I would say, yep. I can see that as um, some people don't want that extra responsibility. Um, some people don't want that, uh, what a dog brings into your life for whatever reason, um, training them or being responsible for them or making them. You know, uh, people that want to do different things in their lives and don't have on the radar that there's a dog that they need to be responsible for or a cat that they need responsible for. You need to kind of think about that before you jump into any type of um, ownership. And I think it takes more than just a couple questions to think about that and how that's going to, you know, like you think about when you get a... um, A breeder might send you a letter saying, you know, who's going to be helping you? How much are they going to be helping you? Are you going to be the sole person? I think there's a lot of questions there and scenarios that need to be thought about so that you really make the best decision for not only yourself, but the pet. Because um, maybe you're not in a position at that point when you really sit down and think about it. To have a pet. Um, if you have a lot of anxiety, um, a pet can bring goodness into your life and help you with that. But you also have to realize that your energy is going to be where the dog's energy goes. And so if you're upset or, or not coping well, maybe take some time for yourself first and, and get yourself in a good position. And then think about the pet as like the added layer, like the cherry on top kind of idea. Don't think right. of it the other way around where you think that the having a pet might be the solution. I think you need to work through your own solutions first. And then um, think about how a pet might add to that and how that well, will help you.
0: Well said, because I, I think that's – I've, I've met people that – I don't know what's going on with my mic. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> um, I've met people who think that oh, a relationship is going to be the answer to my loneliness, or getting a pet is going to be the answer to you know my problem. Like, no, it's not. The pet enhances what your situation is. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's just my opinion, but you know, and take it with a grain of salt, I guess. Right. But um, what is your opinion on uh, dog breeding?
1: Um, I mean. There's a lot of discussion about that out there. And I learned a lot about that over the last couple of months about different organizations and people that are looking at, you know, how, how is dog breeding? What's the good practice? What's not the good practice? Um, I don't become overly involved in those conversations because I really don't know the answer to it. And okay. um, I wouldn't want to speak saying I know because I, I don't know enough. And, you know, that's one of the things that, like, with Animals Connect Everybody, we've always kind of said is, like, you don't know what you don't know. And, like, this is a perfect example of that. I don't know enough to make a statement whether, you know, breeders should have certain criteria or whether, you know, all that that goes with that. I just know that there's a lot of discussion out there and people want to do the best thing for animals, um, and they're not always aligned with their thoughts, which makes yeah. it a little bit of controversy. <laughs> so.
0: so I have two questions for you because I know you got to go. Mm-hmm. I have two questions for you. Um, I'm wearing my uh, my team is playing today. So ah. anytime I, my team plays, I wear the jersey. You know, usually I look professional and I have a I have a you know collar shirt on and stuff like that. So my team is Barcelona. I follow soccer, football. Okay um so what was that like to go from rochester new york to rochester minnesota were you a bills fan in,
1: ah. in rochester
0: <laughs> and then now you're a minnesota vikings fan or? uh
1: so um definitely was a bills fan you know i was in that era where the bills went to the super bowl for like every year um oh, yeah. no, no, and early 90s yeah right yeah. and watching that unfold so um definitely have you know bills background um my husband is a Steelers fan, so you know. Oh boy! Um, I, you get married and you kind of are watching Steelers games, and of course, um, uh, love, love the team. So um, I've had a lot of good experiences with two uh, two kids that have had uh, illnesses that I've supported getting to um, the Steelers games. So nice. Um, so I yeah I have a good feeling in the heart about them as an organization, um, actually, um, got to go to a game one time, um, because of somebody I met who was a NFL scout. Um, so it was fun and the Vikings, I mean, I'm in Minnesota, so of course I'm going to be cheering them on because they're our home state team. So
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the the I've been. My dream is to actually go to Green Bay Packers fan because I I want to see all the cheeseheads and and see the 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 rowdiness and everything and see the energy yeah. because that's that's why I love my Barcelona team because of the fans they're so – they're great people I don't know if you've been to Barcelona but I I cannot say like Barcelona is my favorite city in the planet uh, the people are friendly they're they're fantastic the food is great. Um, but the, the, the it's one of the largest stadiums in in, in Europe, which it's ninety ninety eight thousand seats. But uh, my second dream is to go to Minnesota Vikings game because uh, I hear they're just they're just as rowdy and just as nuts about their team as anything else, and the Steelers. So yeah, those are yeah. my those are the teams I want to go to. Yeah. But uh, would you recommend going? Like I'm not a fan of American football. I just like to go to the state like watch the games, whatever. But would yeah would you say that is definitely worth going for?
1: Um. Yeah. I mean. Minnesota. We've been to games at Minnesota and they're just great. The fans are great. Um, so really enjoyed those games and there is nothing better than being at a Steelers game and like twirling your terrible towel and watching <laughs> the energy there. It is, um, incredible. Um, yeah. So,
0: so the last thing I want to give, uh, is give you the floor. Uh, and, and anything I've may have missed about your business or how you want to promote it, feel free to go because I know you got a few minutes left. Yeah. Um, so, uh, anything that I've may have missed or you want to communicate to everybody and let everyone know.
1: So, um, you know, we've done two campaigns, um, as of March when we kind of started doing things. One was, um, therapy dogs reading with kids. And so we tried to do some education around that. So if you have a dog and you think they might be good for therapy, I would encourage you to reach out to your local organizations, or if you need help with that, I'd be certainly um, willing to share some knowledge about what I know about therapy programs. Um, So Read With Dogs is um, a great opportunity for kids to hear their voice. We encouraged parents to do this even during COVID in their homes. Because the more kids hear their voice and when you're around a dog, it's unconditional love. So there's no snickering or laughing that happens like you sometimes have in a classroom. Hmm. So it's a great opportunity to have your child get comfortable with their voice. And then the other thing that we worked on starting in September was um, had to do with how pets bring health and happiness into our lives. And so our campaign was um, centered around the health and happiness of pets and the people that love them. So we have worked on a few different components for that. One was uh, meditation practices uh, with your pets. And that was geared towards Mm -hmm. pet parents. It's an excellent resource for when you have a new pet. You know, they always talk about trying to get you'll see during the classes, they have you put the dog up on your belly and kind of get it to calm down. This is the perfect accent to that. You know, it allows you to do it in your own home and really um, teach your your pet to calm down. It also helps yourself. Like we said before, what you exhibit in emotions, your dog is going to pick up on. So uh, if you want your dog to be maybe a little bit calmer, you can try this and see if it works. Um, Meditation is a sometimes meditation or mindful practices. People think that's, you know, maybe not in their wheelhouse. um, But the things that we have lined up through um, Michael O'Brien, those are our meditations for us. And he's on Clubhouse, and he also has Pause, Breathe, and Reflect movement. Movement, So you can find any of his uh, meditations that he's created for us um, on Insight Timer, which is just an app that you can download mm-hmm. and find him. And we've had a lot of people mm-hmm. say they were super surprised how that helped. And they didn't think that it would really impact their pet, but it did. So, and it's then, funny. Go ahead.
0: Um, it's funny you should mention that app because I've been using it now for the last year and a half now, and okay. I've made some massive connections from that. And you're right, just that meditation thing you mentioned before. I can't recommend that app enough. It, it is so cool. I, I really do uh, meet some incredibly cool people. It's well-monitored in the sense that if you mm-hmm. – uh, well, you've been on it, so why am I telling you? Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. No, I
1: love it. I love it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a great app. Um, and it, So when you mention meditation, is that something you do every day or –
1: um, I actually started in March of this past year, and I it is great. It really is a great practice to do self care and self thought because you can your mind you know can take you in a lot of different ways. And I've mm-hmm. seen that in nursing, like you know when you think about how you try to calm a patient down if they're upset or if they're they're anxious or or they're in pain. All of those practices are really what I've used a lot during my nursing career. So it really just aligns with me. And I feel it's a great um, untapped resource sometimes for people.
0: Uh, do you do uh, Transcendental Meditation or, or, or do you just kind of, there's just whatever's on there?
1: Yeah, so I actually usually go, um, I talked about Michael O'Brien. I go on his Insight Timer um, meditations, or he also does like four rooms on clubhouse and they're very short meditations. They're five minutes long, so it's not long. And so you can, they break them out throughout the day and it just gives you a chance, like he says, to pause, breathe, reflect. And, um, I find that very beneficial. So, and I want to bring that to people. So the other, the other group that we really wanted to bring this to, and we're hoping to get this communicated out a little bit better is the veterinarian world mm-hmm. because vets are experiencing vets and even the healthcare teams are experiencing a lot of different um stresses related to covid and just their jobs in general and mm-hmm. so we have um along with that meditation that parent, pet parents can do there's a veterinarian focus on that too so we're hoping that offices will maybe consider using that as a team building day project, day projects, so that each day that they're there, they can just set aside. And we have some offices that are starting to do that, where they're incorporating the meditation into their daily routine of their practice
0: i mean i i I think i talked about in my episode nine i think about meditation but it was one of the three things that helped me with my traumatic brain injury i had i had really bad really really bad traumatic brain injury Mm -hmm. and so um i got help for it i got the medication for it and helped me to focus but definitely without meditation i would i couldn't have a conversation with you i was just couldn't focus yeah um So I I agree with you, but I see that you got to go. Sorry about the, the extra overtime and everything. Um, And again, if there's anything I missed, um, you know, feel free to contact me. You know, we met through LinkedIn. Uh, We can have you on again. If anything future comes up, I can always post or we can redo this, whatever you'd like. But, um, but anything, anything I can do to help the pet world, anything I can do to help animals, anything I can do, my time is your time.
1: Yes. Thank you. Appreciate it.
0: Welcome. It was a pleasure to meet you. And uh, so again, we'll, we'll put all the links and everything on your LinkedIn ad or whatever else. Okay. Um, any, any, anything you want to plug before we go or anything you want to say before we go? or.
1: Um, I just think um, animals are a great companion, whether you own one or you are interacting with one and you don't have to, you know, own a pet to be impacted by a pet and Example of that would be even a bird feeder outside of your window is a good example. Um, a fish in a fishbowl, you know, somebody else's dog that you walk mm-hmm. with. Um, so just think about it from a bigger picture than just even um, pet ownership. Think about um, animal interaction with yourself, how that might help.
0: There's a guy I follow on uh, YouTube. His name is Mr. Bolin, and he did a show, a uh, story about um, a mother and daughter that actually had, uh, they were feeding peanuts to crows. And so the crows would always come by with like little trinkets that they find, little like earrings and stuff like that. And the daughter actually had the collection set up and, and tagged everything and labeled everything to where these crows would bring her earrings and stuff. And then one story, yeah. though, the mother went to go photograph something and she left her lens cap like a mile or two away. Like, it was quite a distance where the mother was taking the pho- the photographs. And when she came home, I think the next day, the lens cap was right by her porch. Hmm. Wow. You know, so, and crows are incredibly intelligent. that We just don't realize that. But, like, they, they actually use tools to open up things. So, it's like, yes, there's bigger. Like, if we're alone, if we can't get along with humans, trust me, animals are the next best thing. <laughs> They are, they are, they're fascinating. They're incredible. We don't know anything about them. We know like maybe 1% of them and having them in our life, it just, you, you begin to understand them better and you understand that we're not alone. Right. And it's, that is a lie. We're not alone.
1: Right. Yep.
0: You know? Yeah. So anyway, thank you for letting me get my soapbox and preach.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for the opportunity to be here today. I appreciate it. Uh,
0: it was a pleasure uh and i hope you have a wonderful day my best to your family and um again i'm i'm sorry for the passing of your father and, and lily and, yeah uh, thank you yeah for you're you welcome and uh, all right well take care thank thanks for listening if you enjoyed this episode please go to our website thefullpodcast.com and follow us we'd appreciate your support more episodes are soon on their way